Welcome to the Union Strong Podcast, where we tap into the CrossFit Union Square community to learn more about how some of the most high-performing people in New York City do what they do. This podcast is about you. It's about our community. And it's about sharing perspectives and ideas with each other from individuals that inspire us day in and day out. Today, I sit down with Gabby Morbitzer, who you might already know as our yoga instructor here at CrossFit Union Square. Gabby opens up about her life as an athlete and how an injury led her to the path of yoga and meditation. All right, welcome to the Union Strong Podcast with Gabby and Gabby. Hello. (laughs) We have Gabby Morbitzer here. She is our yoga instructor for Sundays, <laughs> your Sunday yoga at 9 a.m. Um, yeah, so I just kind of want to like dive right into it. Um, how did you start, like what got you into yoga and meditation and like how you're so passionate about it? Like really, like where did it start? Yeah, so I think that where it really started for me is I was an athlete my whole life. And my senior year of high school, I tore my ACL, MCL meniscus, and I was playing basketball. And that was was really my dream and path that had been laid out for me forever. And it very quickly changed when I tore my ACL, MCL meniscus. It was right at the beginning of my senior season, and it just changed everything. I knew I was going to be out for the whole season, and it gave me like no chance to um, be scouted, no chance to be seen. And I just knew things were going to have to change. And um, I had a teacher who I think noticed the shift in me and both my physical and mental health as I was going through that injury. And he suggested to me trying yoga. And I was like, no way. Absolutely not. Uh, there's no way that's going to satisfy what feels like was taken away from me. And so I didn't I took like a very brief six week like introduction course in the summer, but um, I didn't really revisit it until I was in college and I took a comparative religions class and it was there where I was introduced to Eastern philosophy and I was like, oh, wow, I actually just have to get on the mat because I'm so fascinated by the philosophical elements of yoga and I need to like understand this movement practice. Mm -hmm. So when I was in college, the very end, I took a class for credit, like all good, you know, former athletes do take the yoga class for credit. And um yeah, from there, I just started practicing a lot. I, um, My first year out of college, I did my first yoga teacher training. I knew I wanted to teach someday, and I started teaching basically right away. So I've been practicing around 10 years. I've been teaching about six, and it's been a fascinating evolution for me and something that I see myself working into kind of indefinitely into my future. Like when you say yoga training, because like Mm -hmm. for me, I have no idea what that means. So like what does that entail and like what is a yoga training? Yeah, so essentially there are like the governing bodies of yoga um, that verify and validate that these training programs are consistent um, and that there's a certain curriculum that's followed in order to create teachers who have a consistent knowledge base essentially. So most um, yoga training programs or the initial ones at least are a 200-hour program in order to teach. Um, I mean, you don't need that. Most studios require it, and it's really responsible to have that. Some people teach 
with no training, um, but it's really not accepted in like studios or gyms, things like that. Um, and the curriculum is, you know, most curriculums will in, include everything from the physical practice itself to anatomy, the philosophy element, um, the texts, so the traditions of yoga. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also, I mean, yes, there's the the consistency element, but there are so many variables in a yoga training. So, you know, they're so, so, so different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as like when you, because you said like you tore your ACL, your meniscus and like all your injuries in your mindset for yoga and meditation, even it was how, like, when did you realize, okay, there's like a real switch that like I, this is something that like I want to do and I love and it's going to help you. Like, where did you realize that? I, oh man, in college, like both dealing with the physical trauma of an injury that I had always just, I didn't really realize until a couple years after that that had really shifted my identity, how I self-identified. Because mm -hmm. um, I had identified as an athlete. I was a good athlete. I was this, that, and the other. I had all these things I was sure of in my past and present and future. And when that changed, I didn't really sit with it because I was like kind of right away went off to school. Um, and so somewhere in the midst of college, I, I was going through a breakup uh, um, and also facing the fact that I never really had um, dealt with this sort of identity crisis. Um, I had immediately sort of gone to college and gotten in this relationship and it was great. Um, and then when that ended, I was like, who am I? Yeah. Um, and that is the moment where yoga like entered my life and I knew it was there to stay mm -hmm. because the practice is one of inquiry. It's so deeply curious. Um, and it evolves with you. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where like I started to realize there's something about this practice, the physical practice and, you know, the philosophy was fascinating to me. That's yeah. the part that really got me. Yeah. Well, like as far as like you, cause yoga and meditation, like, would you say it goes hand in hand? Definitely. Um, so in the tradition of yoga, there's what we call an eight limbed path. The physical practice is one of those eight limbs. So mm -hmm. the yoga that you see of people doing the postures on the mat, that's one limb. Four of the limbs relate to meditation and states of meditation. Yeah. So meditation, you know, the yoga practice, the physical yoga practice was always designed to ready the body, both subtle and physical, and the mind for meditation. Mm. So one can certainly meditate without doing the yoga asana practice, definitely. One can have a mindfulness practice without really ever doing a yoga pose in their life. Um, but the postures of yoga, and if we're talking about like the eight limb path, um, the postures of yoga were created and designed in such a way that the body would um, sort of situate itself between soft and strong, so strength and flexibility, and always push back toward equilibrium, mm -hmm. back to the center, back to the breath. Yeah. And that is readying the body for a meditative state. It's funny because like I never – I mean I've taken yoga. I've taken your class. I've mm -hmm. done it. And it's like the way that you talk about it, like it's – there's so many – it's it's there's so much like to it and there's so many different layers I think that like I never understood. Mm -hmm. And I never really like heard – 
your side of it either. Mm-hmm. Um, explain like so because like you used to tell me like you're like you used to pop off or like mm-hmm. you used to be like a certain way and mm-hmm. like how have you like has yoga and meditation of me is that a part of the reason why you are who you are today? Oh my gosh, yeah. I actually like love talking about this because. I have no qualms about, um, you know, discussing my own mental health. I think it's really helpful to talk about it. So I think I was 12 or 13 in the first moment when I realized I, like I, looking back at it, I can identify a time where I was like, oh, I had and and suffered for a lot of my life from episodic anxiety and depression beyond the typical sort of moodiness and hormonal angst of a teenager. Yeah. And my pattern, my life, my relationships, um, and how I just grew up, what I did to be in sort of a self-preservation mode was turn and transmute any grief or pain into anger. So my natural reaction to things that made me sad, challenged me, was often anger. And it was fast anger and it was like furious anger. Yeah. So this showed up a lot in sports. You know, I was like the hothead. I was like, um, you know, I kind of had that reputation among my team and and even some of our <laughs> I can't even I can't even imagine you being like that now. I like know. it's crazy. Like that's why I'm like so curious about it. I'm like how? I know it's it's wild. It 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 feels like a different uh like lifetime, and I think that's what, at the end of the day, uh, like blows my mind about the practice of yoga and meditation is it does actually remove this fixed sense of like identity. Mm-hmm. So that way that like I was doesn't mean that I will and have to be that way forever. Yeah eventually I like looked at my anger and I was like, wow, this is not useful. Mm -hmm. It's not helping me grow. It's actually sabotaging a lot of my life and my relationships. And it's preventing me from being who I want to be, you know, in the sense of like, who am I? Who actually am I? Like, what do I? And that comes from like the yoga practice, like that question. I I feel like it's such a like, you know, existential and like bullshit, but also like really poignant question of like, who am I? And in the yoga and meditation practice, you know, there's often this point where it comes back and you tap in and it's like, there it is, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like this moment of clarity or just like pure light and like almost like a nothingness, like an open field, yeah, like a space, a spaciousness. And that feels so good to embody Mm -hmm. that like the anger feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And then once I identified and saw that, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be this way. And, you know, I still experience it every once in a while. If I'm really sad, sometimes to protect myself, I can like default into like being angry. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know. Oh, I mean, I think like anybody can relate to that too. And it's like you get into this cycle of just like anger and sadness and it becomes like something that you almost like start to identify with. And then it becomes this just like never ending guilt too yeah. that you have. Oh, yeah. For feeling that way. You're like, why do I feel this way? Why am I so angry? And like, why am I lashing out? Yeah. Yeah. And I, we were, I mean, we were talking about this today, but at the time when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, this conversation wasn't alive. So, like, my anxiety, it was like, what is it? Oh, it's asthma. Let's give her an inhaler. Mm. Um, my anxiety was, seen as like, I mean, I grew up and went to Catholic schools and I remember I had a teacher, 
like and that that laugh is like not meant to be like a laugh like it's funny but had put me in a um like on a suicide watch hmm. and I wasn't there like I was never at that age there but how old were you I was 17 wow but I felt judged yeah and I was like this labeled too yeah and this man like because I was crying in health class I was crying in health class and I don't remember what it was about, but I was just sort of like there and present with my emotions, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it wasn't the time or the place or I could have asked to be excused or whatever, but, you know, I didn't understand that judgment and it made me so deeply like it made me desire isolation more mm-hmm. because I was like, wow, do people think that of me that like I don't want to be on this earth or that I would take my own life or, you know, the things that came up for me at a young age and then were, you know, magnified by my injury all at that same time, I withered away to almost like nothing. You know, I'm really grateful for the teacher that I had that and he just like Uh, you know, I feel like I owe a lot of who I am today, of course, to myself, but to a person who was able to say, like, here's something constructive that might be worth trying, Mm -hmm. you know, because at that time, people were not talking about depression. People were not talking about depression in kids. No. And in young girls, you know. Mental health was not talked about. Right. Right. And, you know, a lot of us were either put on we're put on some sort of pharmaceutical drug. Like I talk to so many of my female friends now who as adults are like, get me the hell off of every pharmaceutical because it made me psycho. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we were. I mean, I remember there was a point in time where I was on like, I had five different prescriptions and I sat down at the time I was in college with my therapist and I was like, I don't want to take any of this anymore. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, I'm not, the type of person who's going to sit here and say like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like yoga and meditation will take you out of like really depressive episodes I do think that they're lifelong tools though to help sort of assist with the natural very very natural trials and tribulations of life yes and the titrating emotions that every human being has Mm -hmm. so you know that's been I I have to be grateful for those things in my life that were really, really hard because they took me to the path that I'm meant to be on and that I'm meant to share and pay forward. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because I feel like we didn't really we weren't really taught how to cope with, you know, our feelings growing up. And I think that we I mean, luckily, now we've come to a place where we can openly talk about mental health and we can Mm. talk about depression and we also like I mean for me I was I went through a traumatic thing in my life and they just in order okay here's Prozac Mm -hmm. numb the pain and just feel nothing versus actually going through and experiencing the pain and allowing that to make you grow as a person Mm -hmm. and grow into a positive light and a positive point in your life it Mm -hmm. was just like here's medicine and feel nothing yep yeah like I remember I was like, I don't want to feel nothing. I want to feel something now at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like we're, I mean, even just you talking about yoga and meditation, it's like you are able to center yourself and even just allow yourself to just feel and be and be in the moment. And like, I think that's something that is, and like the fact that we can even offer it here at the gym is something that's just like amazing. And I'm like so passionate about 
accessibility to yoga. So while a lot of people here might have yoga at their access, I think um, making it accessible in the way that I know that I can, because I'm also an athlete, Mm -hmm. I love being able to teach to people who also identify either as athletes or who maybe walk into a yoga class and they're like, I am not flexible or I might not feel good right away. Cause that's not the point either, right? Like you were just saying, the point isn't to only feel the happy sunshine and butterflies. Like that's not life, but to feel the full spectrum of emotion and be aware of like, oh yeah, I, I can, I don't have to run away from that. I don't mm-hmm. have to be afraid of that. I don't have to ignore the reality of all of these things that I'm feeling like that's such a gift too. And I, I'm like really, really passionate about teaching to uh, like athletes and particularly, you know, to um, people who don't think the practice might be for them at first yeah, or come in and want to be better at lifting or come in and they're like, I should do this because like my coach told me or because I saw so-and-so doing Ramwad, blah, blah, blah. And then they come and they find actually like a spirit-centered practice and, you know, spirit-centered meaning like um, a, a quality to the practice that is inward, um, it's curious, that's at peace, mm-hmm. you know, and that does things for the nervous system beyond strength of the muscles, So that's what I love about being able to teach to this group because people are really smart about the body and they hold me accountable, you know, and they like want me to talk about like, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, or what is this going to do for me? And, and so we can have real conversations about things that matter too. Well, you, and also you made a good point the other day. You're like, I get something out of this just as much as they do. Yeah. And it's like one of your passions and you need it just as much as everyone else. Yeah. As a teacher. We say like we, like the community of teachers, but there are a lot of teachers that I really admire. And, and we've, we've had this overarching theory that when we practice, when we're on our mat in our body doing our meditation practice, that's actually our time to give to our students. And then when we teach, we're actually receiving Mm-hmm. And we're receiving because when I sit and teach or I'm like adjusting a body in motion or I'm cueing something, I'm learning. Yeah, I'm watching and I'm learning. I'm learning how to be a better teacher and I'm looking at the energy of the room and the group and I'm essentially in that moment determining where we're going next. Yeah. So it is. It's like my time to... Uh, to relate to people, to feel also poured into in a way, like they don't even know it. But, you know, I watch sometimes the students in my classes and I'm just, in, I'm amazed at them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a marvel at them. I'm like, wow, you're so strong. And not just like your muscles are strong again, but it's like you are a strong person. I see you, you know, mm-hmm. or like you're a humble person. You're a confident person. I see you. And that is like a very, very special relationship between teacher and student. It's like they're showing up for you just as much as you're showing up for them. A hundred percent. So it makes me feel a lot less dead inside sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Especially after like, what is it, Capricorn season? <laughs> exactly. This Capricorn stellium <laughs> directly followed by a very intense <laughs> full moon Wait, can we, we should talk about, okay. 
I mean, I don't want to like drag on, but <laughs> explain a little. Okay, how did you get into astrology? Uh huh. This actually it does it does relate. There's a segue because I do sometimes talk about the sky in my yoga classes because what I believe, I mean, and you know what is truth if we're going to go down that road, right? Like ask yourself that question, like what is true and what is truth? But what I believe is that we must be affected in some way by the planets. We have to be. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that there's any way we can look at like the tides of the ocean and the lunar cycle and be like, yeah, there's absolutely no correlation. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think Western astrology is like sort of watered down and a little bit like odd? Yes, I do. I'll be the first one willing to say that. And I am not fixated on people's sign as inherently saying anything about them. But I do think natal charts, you know, and meaning like the positioning of the planets in the sky in the moment you took your first breath, I think that they're interesting as points of inspiration and ways to learn more. Mm-hmm. So astrology. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this came to me at a point in my life around the same time as said breakup in college. But yeah, I know I'm so grateful for him and he's like got a heart of gold. And so I, we've talked about this before now and I'm like, you were the catalyst for so much of my life as it is now. And I'm like, so, so, so grateful. And he's just like, I don't know. Um, But I realized first and foremost, after him, I was coming up against the same issues in romantic relationships. And I was like, what is happening? And I was trying to find correlations because I'm a double Scorpio and that's what I do. I try and like make, not make meaning, but figure out, like I'm a detective. Yeah. And I realized, I'm like, oh my God, all of these guys are Pisces. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're Pisces. <laughs> I was like, and two of them had the same birthday. So um, like, what is happening? Here? Right. So I was like, oh, that's fascinating to me because it was like four people in a row. And I was like, that's super fascinating. Like, what can I learn from that? And I just started to do like really surface level learning of of essentially it was like a psychology experiment. Mm -hmm. Like if someone would tell me when their birthday was, or I would find out it was someone's birthday, I would like read a little bit about that sun sign and I would just become really curious. And then I started to see patterns um, and qualities, but, and I've told you this before too, and this is what I speak about all the time when I, when I talk about astrology, it's more so than just the sign isolated itself. It's like the combination of elements that I'm really fascinated by. So, you know, every sign has an element, whether it's earth, air, water, fire. And then within each of the elements, there's a fixed cardinal immutable, and just meaning those are the qualities of those elements. So I read a really good example of this the other day. It was like Scorpio is the fixed water sign. And if you think about water, it has three very distinct states, right? Mm-hmm. And Scorpio is like the iceberg, like depth beyond one can see extremely strong and can move and change, you know, the face of history. Do you feel like when you started to learn more about like your sign that you like things about you started to make sense and you were like, okay, now I understand why I like I feel a certain way or act a certain way or like am a certain mm. way? Or I In some ways, at first, I thought that a lot of the things that I was reading about myself were kind of watered down. But as astrology has become more popular now, I think it's a lot more comprehensive. 
And now I'll just, if I am reading something about astrology, I'll be like, oh, that's that's really interesting. Like what popped out to me? And that's like what I need to take away. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're looking for a sign, this is it. No matter what. That's just how we are as human beings. It's like if anything seems like a sign, it is. Yeah. So I've I've learned a lot about myself through my through my natal chart. Um and it's so complex and I do not claim to be an expert at all. There are some things that I can either intuitively or just naturally identify and m- explain when I read someone's natal chart, but there is so much that I could still learn. I mean, the art is infinite and there are so many different lineages of astrology itself. So you are, I mean, it's actually crazy how much you know about it. Like, I mean, everybody is like, oh, like, what? what is my, what's my rising sign? And then you're like, let me read your birth chart. And you just <laughs> yeah. know it all. Or, or like, it's what's honestly is like really impressive to me is that you, you can ask somebody what their sign is and you literally will read like mm. out exactly what that is. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're not reading it from anywhere. You just know, mm-hmm. which is like impressive. And I like, that is, I mean, it's you're passionate about it. I think that's something you can definitely say. Definitely. I I think also my in my second yoga training, we had a Vedic astrologer. So the Vedic sages were these, oh. yeah, they were these guys, probably men, maybe not though, who knows? I don't know. They were these people that um, would basically sit around in like the Himalayas in India and probably smoke opium and be like, oh my God, the angle of this celestial body on earth and the physics of it, basically, I'm, you know, it was geometry and physics in the form before we knew it to be geometry and physics. Mm -hmm. So these Vedic sages would transcribe things about the sky and the position of the earth. And so some traditions of yoga incorporate quite a bit of astrology, We learned in my second training about some of the planetary archetypes, which I thought were really fascinating as well, Um, meaning the symbolism behind the planets. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that's really, I I think archetype work is is fascinating in psychology. Yeah. So how we make meaning out of things, you know, as humans have evolved, what we, what significance we pull out of whatever. So in my second yoga training, I remember sitting with this astrologer and he had this incredible beautiful white hair and these blue blue eyes (laughs) and he would sing he would chant these chants and I just knew that he knew I knew that he knew something yeah have you ever met one of those people and you're like you just have a universal knowing of something Mm -hmm. I he also said though this is a little bit of an uh, an aside he thinks that we're aliens on this earth because he's like we're we are contrary to all natural things on this planet and he thinks in like two thousand years our spaceship is gonna fly by and pick us back up and bring us back. (laughs) So I mean you never know who knows we don't know maybe crazier things have happened but he spoke a lot about nature's way and things that I still sometimes don't really understand. Um, But astrology was in there. Um, And I took so much away from that because sometimes I think it's people like shit on you for liking astrology sometimes or they're like, that's stupid. That's not scientific. Mm -hmm. And so it's a weird conversation at times to bring up. But I think that it's 
could be just as interesting as talking about any other topic. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, are you kidding me? I rather sit there. I mean, I've you've totally transformed me into a believer. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's so much worse things you could talk about and I think there's a lot of like nonsense conversations like you said you could have with somebody and I this is I think this is arguably some science in a way. It is one of the oldest forms of science. What we think science is now is like repeatable experiments, and that's fine. We mm -hmm. can think that we're humans. We have control issues. We want to be like, I can prove this 3,000 times and it'll have the same result. <laughs> we're obsessed with doing yeah, that. And yeah. that's what we call science. But there's so much that we don't know. We use a fraction of our brain, and our brain and our sensory experience is a fraction of what's actually going on out there. Yeah. So while I – well, I was going to be like, is it any less or more valid than, like, religion? And, you know, I don't mean to bring that up in a way that downplays anyone's value or appreciation of any religious path either. Um, but it's almost like the idea of observation and faith. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. That there's like an either a knowing or a believing of um, phenomenon that we can't understand or explain. Yeah. Something beyond our explanation that like we can see or feel. Totally. Totally. And we may never have the answer, but I do think there are some undeniable experiences that happened in the universe and in the sky, and you can see their impact on humans, and you can sometimes see the patterns between people that exhibit qualities of the same elements, or you can sometimes read a natal chart and a person will be like, that's wild. Mm -hmm. or there are all these apps now that people can draw inspiration from um, that have to do in some way with astrology. Yeah. I think it's just like, I think people are just curious to know like a, more about themselves and mm -hmm. they want an explanation. And I think it offers some sort of insight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think our, our generation is becoming way less rigid with the means for self-exploration. Mm -hmm. And we're, pushing ourselves to challenge the beliefs that were laid out before us of what really either matters or what is real. Mm -hmm. And there's it, there's something sometimes that happens, like even you and I have, when we've talked about this and we've been like, oh, and we've looked at our charts and we've been like, that makes a lot of sense that we share or exhibit qualities of this and that's what makes us able to relate so well on this particular thing. Or, you know, when we have conversations and we're both like in our Mars energy and then we sit back for a second and we're like, that was great. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we're like, wow. I know. That was a good fucking talk. Like there's so much passion and energy that comes behind it. But those are the kind of things that, <clears throat> again, looking at the planetary archetypes and looking at the qualities of nature, that's what I think is way more important about astrology than just being like, oh, you're a Virgo, that means yeah. you're neurotic. Yeah, right? exactly. Or like, oh, you're a Virgo and I'm a this. We're not going to get along. Like, I don't believe that at all. Mm -mm. I don't. No. Nope. I don't think so. I think people also, I mean, there's more to somebody than just their zodiac sign. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I don't think that, I mean, certain people might think that way, but like you said, there's so much more to it. And like now I even know, like I didn't know Mm. much before you, I wouldn't have known any of this. Mm -hmm. I would have just known, oh my, I'm this way. These are my characteristics as a Virgo Mm. versus like, there's a lot more to, you know, your zodiac sign. So yeah. And I think that people at the end of the day, like people want and need different things from different relationships. So how we relate to other people is going to differ. So just because I had this experience with this person who is this thing doesn't mean that's going to be my experience forever and ever. Yeah. And maybe this relationship that I'm in now, I want to work differently to connect to this person. Yeah. Or like I'm looking for this in this relationship where we really naturally just understand our depth of emotion or our intellectual process or whatever it may be. And I think it's really healthy to incorporate all of those kinds of relationships. So I think it's really healthy to look for and appreciate like all different kinds of people, astrologically speaking. Yes. <laughs> astrologically. Uh, yeah. And and other things, of course. <laughs> Seriously. Well, Gab, this was so nice. This was nice. Thank Let's you for, yeah, this is part one. We'll have part two coming out soon. Yeah. But all right. Thank you. Love you so much. Thanks, Gav. Love you.